Good morning. Uh, my name is Lance Carpenter. Is it right there? And uh, just a couple of things I want to start off with. Uh, a couple of folks have asked me, so why the jacket? Okay. And, uh, and, and I, I told some of them, I talked to Kim, I said there's actually a copy stain on my shirt right about here. I want you to see it. I want you to see it. Somebody else asked me, so are you singing this morning? And, uh, and I thought about it, I said, well, absolutely not. But, uh, you know, we are supposed to look for miracles in the church. Uh, so if I were able to sing, that would be a miracle. Okay. Um, first of all, thanks for, uh, for staying seated uh, and not getting up and leaving. But, uh, I, you know, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking with you about something that's near and dear to my heart. And one thing when we, when we share from up front here, uh, we'll have some verses, some scripture to look at. Please check it out. Um, I don't know if we had, did we have contact cards? Okay, I didn't, I didn't get any ready, so if they're, if they're there, there's a miracle in the church. Um, but, you know, write down the verses if you'd like. Uh, we always encourage you to go back and read them and check what we say. You know, I mean, there's nothing guaranteeing that we are sharing with you absolute truth. Uh, you need to check that out for yourself. So I'd encourage you to do that. Um, if you have any questions about anything, ask them. If you have a comment, make it. You know, raise your hand. We'll, we'll let you talk. This is just a conversation here. Um, and and I, I say that because that kind of gives me an excuse to ramble. Okay, so if I ramble it, you've already given me permission. All right, um, what we're going to talk about today is, uh, is worship. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the church today that is kind of mystified or not well understood or, or there's some baggage associated with it that we have kind of assumed and take for granted. Okay, so let's put those aside and as we talk about this let's try and think about it fresh think about it for real think about what it really is all about because you know worship is kind of a basic thing you know kind of a basic tenement of the church right I mean that's why churches exist is to worship so we may think we have that all figured out and, and sorted out but let's let's see if we do praise God um, we'll, we'll move on from there but that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about um, the key verse this morning is going to be from John 4.23, and it's from the, uh, um, the story of the woman at the well. And um, that, you know, we've used that uh, section of scripture quite a bit in here, but there's so much to it. I mean, if you take a look at that, that, you know, piece of scripture, it's just, there's a ton of information in there. But um, I'll read around it here and then include that verse so we can understand where we're coming from. This is after... Jesus is talking to the woman, and they ha this is a Samaritan woman, okay? Samaritans, Jews, don't necessarily get along very well. Um, and so this, this transpires, and eventually, Jesus gets her to the point where she's thinking spiritually. Okay, if you remember this story, it was talking about living water and all that kind of stuff, and, and the woman saying, oh, give me the living water that never ends so I don't have to come draw more water from the well. It'd be more convenient for me. You know, thinking about temporal things, you know, things that are, are physical and, and of the earth. But he finally gets her to the point where, where she is thinking spiritual things. Okay, and he does that by revealing a truth about her that he would not have known if he weren't God. Okay, he knew 
that she had five husbands and the one that she was living with now in fact wasn't her husband so he pointed out sin in her life and at that point she realizes this is not just another guy hanging out at the well she's talking to and so starting off at verse 19 it says sir the woman said I can see that you are a prophet our ancestors worshiped on this mountain which is Gerasim um, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem woman Jesus replied believe me a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you Samaritans worship what you do not know we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth okay we've all heard that right I mean that's not a new scripture it's not some buried truth uh, in the Old Testament in some minor prophets book we've all heard that um, but what Jesus does here is redefines essentially worship for a time to come and he says that we need to worship in spirit and in truth so what what is worship um, whenever you want to find out what something is you either go to Wikipedia a somewhat reliable source or a dictionary okay so I went to the dictionary and I and I looked it up and the worship it says is a noun uh, it means reverent honor and homage paid to God or a sacred personage or to any object regarded as sacred. Two, formal or ceremonious rendering of such honor or homage, such as they attended worship this morning. Um, three, adoring reverence or regard, excessive worship of business success is an example. Um, four, the object of adoring reverence or regard. Two, it can be a verb when it's used with an object and it means to render religious reverence and homage to or to feel enduring reverence or regard for any person or thing okay now is it any surprise that we're confused about what worship is I mean it's got like seven or eight definitions for it okay it's a lot like love okay and, you, and you've heard uh, sermons about love and how the Greek has three words for our one word love okay and because we have just one word for that we get it all confused and mixed up okay there are a lot of a lot of meanings for love that when you only have one word for it you can take the wrong meaning okay from what the person who's intending it to be so here we got worship and we got all these definitions they're confusing um, so you know what really what really is worship well we'll go to scripture to try and find that out okay all right um, because I think we've we've confused it a little bit now one thing I'd also add um, if you have a Bible awesome if you don't get one okay because it's the way we find truth uh, it's the way we learn about God and if you have a Bible um, feel free to write in it okay you can take notes to yourself you can do that it's allowed God will not expel you from heaven for writing in the Bible I know hard to believe but you know you can do that so I'd encourage you you know as we as we talk about these scriptures if God reveals something to you write it down okay so when you go back you can you can see that again uh, it's just a great way that I've found to engage with God's Word is to actually get into it and, and write in it um, okay so why should we worship and, I, and I've got listed here uh, there's only about seven or eight pages now three um, 
but you know, I've got some questions here, and we'll try and answer the questions. Uh, one question is, why should we worship? Okay, kind of a dumb question. Everybody figures, well, it's obvious. Well, is it? Is it really obvious why we should worship? If it was obvious, wouldn't everybody do it? You know, so maybe it's not so obvious. Um, one reason we should worship is because we're, you know, commanded to. It's commanded in Scripture. I'll take a look at uh, Psalm 89.7. Okay, and I use the New International Version for most of these. A couple I use, some other ones, because I like the way they're worded better. But uh, Psalm 89.7 says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all them that are about him. Uh, Matthew 4.10. Okay, that is where Jesus is uh, being confronted by uh, Satan in the temptations. And, uh, and he admonishes Satan in, G in uh, Matthew 4.10. It says, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, and this is from the Old Testament, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's pretty direct. You know, worship the Lord your God and him only. Okay, and then lastly, if we go back up to uh, the scripture in John, we see that God seeks true worshipers. He seeks them. So we want to be one, at least I hope. I hope we want to be one. Okay, so that, that's why we worship. And there are a lot of other scriptures that support that. Um, but two, you know, what about worship back in the day? You know, I, I said that Jesus was changing the, the look and, and feel and way worship is conducted from time uh, forward in his discussion with the one at the well. So what was it like before? Okay, anybody remember how worship was conducted in the Old Testament? You know, they'd bring, you know, lambs and doves and things to the temple and sacrifice them and, and, and do all that kind of stuff. There was a lot of ritual uh, behind that. Um, if you look at uh, 1 Chronicles 23, and I won't read that because it's kind of long, but 1 Chronicles 23 is where David establishes all the ordinances for worship in the temple. Okay, and he's got, you know, tribes assigned to certain things. Some people sing, some people play instruments, some people offer sacrifices. It's all very elaborate, okay, and it's very rigid and structured, all right? So why, why do you think it was like that? Why did God create these elaborate rules for worship? What do you think? Any ideas? Okay, I don't know either. So we're done. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I can make up answers with the best of them. Um, you know, before Jesus enabled worship in the Spirit, um, you know, man needed something to remind him of who God was, to remind him of God's position and right, uh, rightful authority as God. Okay? And one way that he allowed us to be reminded of that was by setting up regular ceremonial worship. Okay, he created a place. First, it was the tabernacle, uh, the tent, uh, as the tribe of Israel was wandering through the wilderness, uh, and then there was the temple that Solomon built. Okay, but that was the place of worship. And if you remember from the uh, discussion with the woman at the well, that was her big question, and that was the question of the day back then between the Samaritans and the Jews: was where is the right place to worship? Where should we go to worship? And it was a huge point of contention between the Jews and the Samaritans. So she realized she was talking to a prophet. She says, I'm going to ask him the hardest question I can think of. Where do we go to worship? 
okay? She is thinking the old style. Okay, worship was done at a place, in a way, very rigid, very structured, okay? So that's, that's kind of why we had these ordinances back in the Old Testament. It was a way to remind us of who God is and to uh, render due reverence to him. Okay, so when we get to the scripture that, that Jesus is talking about, uh, a time will come and is now at hand um, where true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, what does that mean? Okay, I mean, really, what does it mean? Um, what is it to worship in spirit? And I, I think that some of the clue is where Jesus says to the woman that God is spirit. You know, man is spirit also. We have a spirit. It's one of the things that differentiates us from other created things. And, and one of the ways that we commune and fellowship with God most directly is when our spirits interact. Okay? And, and I believe that's what God means when he says to worship in spirit is to make sure that our spirits are interacting with each other. Okay, that is like the ultimate level of communion that we can have with God. Okay, and that is enabled because Jesus lived and died. So that's, that's what we talk about when we talk about worshiping in spirit. Um, moving on to page two. We're making good progress, everybody. You haven't asked me any hard questions yet. That's good. Okay. The other thing is that, that in the New Testament covenant, when Jesus was crucified and, and, uh, and raised again, our bodies became the temple. Okay, the temple was no longer a place or a building. In Jerusalem, it, our bodies became the temple. And we know that because in 1 Corinthians uh, 3.16, um, Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Okay, there we are talking about the spirit again. The spirit is the key. Uh, Mark 7, 6, um, it talks about how we often don't pay attention to things of the spirit because he says that he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, one of the ways that scripture talks about our spirit is to use that term heart. Uh, when, when the Bible talks about your heart, it's not talking about the organ that pumps blood. Okay, it's, it's referring to our spirits inside. Okay, so their hearts are far from me. Um, you know, real worship involves going beyond just the intellect, okay, and beyond emotion. You know, it's not an emotional thing. It's deeper even than that. And because the spirit is such a complex thing by nature, it's not easy to explain or articulate exactly what it is. Okay, you can't define it in a way that everybody goes, oh, okay, I got it, because it's not an intellectual thing. It's a spiritual thing. And, and very often we try to make it an intellectual thing or something that we reason and understand, um, but we don't always. Uh, that's why there's such a thing as faith. Okay, it's not an intellectual exercise. Living in Christ is not an intellectual exercise. Okay, it's an effort that is accomplished through the Spirit. Okay, um, so what do we mean when we say worship in truth? Okay, worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. In truth, where is truth? Where do we find that? 
I already gave you a hint. It's not Wikipedia. Okay? It's in Scripture. Okay? The Bible is where we go to find truth. Um, <clears throat> and it says in, in John 17, 17, where Jesus is praying for his disciples, for his people, for uh, Christians, right before the crucifixion, he says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's in his prayer to God the Father. Okay, so if we come to know God by studying Scripture, by looking in, in uh, the Bible and, and reading that, understanding it, um, it gives us a greater appreciation for who he is. Okay, part of worship is to ascribe worth, okay, to something or somebody. And we ascribe worth to God when we understand who he really is. What has he really done? And, and when we understand that, it's easier for us to ascribe worth to him, to worship him. Okay? So we need to be in the word, understanding truth, so that we can worship in spirit and in truth. All right. I hope this is making sense and I'm not rambling too much. Okay, if I start rambling too much, somebody stand up and wave your arms over your head. Okay, and I'll, I'll get the message. Rick, sit down. Okay. Um, all right. One question that I ask myself is praise uh, the same thing as worship. You know, sometimes we kind of overlap things like that. Praise, uh, praise is sort of a declaration, a statement, okay, of praise. Uh, and it can be accomplished not in the spirit. Right? You can make any kind of statement you want, not from your heart. Okay? So praise in and of itself is not worship. However, praise is an instrument of worship or a way that we manifest worship to God. Okay, so there are some nuances there, some subtleties, but they're not exactly the same thing. Um, because you can give false praise. You know, I'm thinking of a, a line, but I will not share it with you. Um, something about pants. They make me look fat? No. Um, okay. And Gwen never asks me that. Thank you, sweetheart, for that. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, in 1 Timothy 6.20, um, Timothy warns us against being too intellectual about things, about being too, you know, trying to think our way through things too much. And he says, Timothy, guard, this is Paul talking to Timothy, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing idea of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in, doing, in so doing have departed from the truth or from the faith. So, you know, we've got to be careful that we don't make everything an intellectual exercise and try to figure it all out, okay? Because we will not always figure it all out. We need to allow room for God to move by the Spirit in our lives. All right. Um, so, the object of worship. Worship always has an object. Something is out there being worshipped. Okay, now the question is, um, what is the object of our worship? Now, it should always be God, right? That's a no-brainer. That's a gimme bonus question. Okay, it should always be God. Um, but is it always? No, it's not always. Um, and that's where we have to be careful. Uh, sometimes we stray from worshiping God and start worshiping other things. Now, 
that doesn't mean that that we you know prostrate ourselves before um, you know these other things but we can ascribe excessive value to them and our attention is drawn to them and we start worshiping other things you've heard of hero worship right um, you know that kind of thing can be kind of insidious okay it can be kind of sneaky it can kind of come up behind you and catch you off guard to the point that you find yourself worshiping other things besides God and, and that's what we have to be careful of and so we should always kind of check ourselves and ask what is or who is the object of my worship okay and, and worship sometimes isn't some big fancy thing it isn't going somewhere and doing it sometimes it happens constantly okay so we ask ourselves a question what or who is the object of my worship or adoration and if it's not God then we need to be very very careful okay now if it isn't God can you turn that around can you fix that can you repair that false worship absolutely I mean one way one key way is to remember to always worship the Creator not the creation okay sometimes we find ourselves worshiping creation or things that are created that's what the the Israelites did when they created the golden calf you know and we go oh, that was stupid you know, it was really dumb worshiping a golden calf who would fall for that not me right but there are other golden calves in our lives that we you know erect and, and construct that we then worship so we just have to be very careful about it which is why worshiping in spirit and in truth is not a one or the other proposition it's both you've got to worship in spirit and in truth and that's one way that we can be careful of not falling into idol idol worship okay um, you know the the first commandment is love the Lord your God you know and and no other so when we start worshiping other things we we start to slip into disobeying the first commandment and there's a lot more after that one so if we're not getting that one right we're pretty messed up okay and I say we I'm included in that Nehemiah 9 6 says you alone are the Lord you made the heavens even the highest heavens and all their starry host the earth and all that is on it the seas and all that is in them you give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you do you think Nehemiah has an understanding of who God is you bet he understands that he knows that and he he ascribes value and worth to God as a result Philippians 2 9 through 11 says therefore God exalted him talking about Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth I gotta read these scriptures to you and every and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father okay that's the recipient of the glory God the Father okay so what are some cautions what are some things to, to look out for besides the things we've talked about already um, certainly one is that worship is not about us okay we don't worship to get something out of it worship is about God and so when we gather to worship when we engage in worship he is the focal point it's not us okay you know if we find that we're engaging in a uh, a, a worship opportunity 
and we're feeling bad because we didn't get anything out of it, well, go back and check your premise on that because you're probably wrong. It's not for you to get something out of it. Worship is for you to give. Okay? Does God need our worship? No. He doesn't need it. He delights in it. He loves it. Okay? He relishes our worship. And that alone should give us reason to, to do it. Okay, something else to, to uh, be cautious of, again, is worshiping in spirit and truth. Making sure that we have both of those checked when we're engaged in worship. Um, worshiping God on the surface or through the symbols. Remember we were talking about the ordinances and the temple and all that kind of stuff? Those regimented ways of worshiping God. If you worship God through only those symbols, well, then you're probably not worshiping in spirit. Okay, and we do that today. You know, even today, we tend to rely upon those old symbols of worship. Um, you know, we, the example that I use from the dictionary, you know, they went to worship this morning. Okay, they went to church. Okay, is going to church worship? Just going to church? No. Some big famous churches have tours all the time. Are they worshiping? No. So, you know, it's... It's not where you go. It's not what you're doing. Okay, it's what's happening in your heart that determines whether it's worship or not. Um, one of the dangers that we that we potentially fall into if we're looking at those symbols of worship as being worship is that we may run the risk of Jesus saying to us at one point, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Okay, not a good situation to be in, and that comes from Matthew seven twenty one to twenty three where Jesus speaking at the Sermon on the Mount, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that's sort of like praise without being from the heart. Just saying, Lord, Lord, all right? Um, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. Okay? This is not just, I didn't know you, so, you know, we're not friends. This is, he calls them evildoers. Kind of the opposite. So we've got to, you know, be on guard against that. Okay, so what about corporate worship? You know, if worship is in spirit and truth, you know, do we need to get together and, and do this? Well, yes, we do. Um, corporate worship is, is extremely valuable for a body of believers. Um, it gives us the opportunity for teaching and for witness. You know, when we get together for church, we have teaching, we do witnessing, you know, when visitors come and hopefully we're uh, a positive uh, testimony for them. We're not always, but hopefully we are. It provides opportunities for that, but the reason that we come together is to engage in corporate worship. That's why we get together. Those other things kind of happen, but the reason for us coming together is to worship God. That is our ultimate purpose. Okay, our ultimate purpose, the reason we're here is to worship God. All right, so what does the scripture say about that? Let's look at uh, Psalm 34, 1 to 3. It says, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify, I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Okay, that's David talking there. 
So it's, there is something to worshiping God together. There's value in that. Okay? All right. So we already talked about some of the things that get confused as worship. You know, we talk about just going to church. Is going to church worship? No. Going to church alone is not worship. Um, singing songs, you know, singing hymns. Is that worship? In and of itself, it's not. Unless you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Then singing becomes a way to manifest that worship. Okay? But just singing the songs is not worship. Okay? Just the very act of singing them. Um, same thing with giving money. How many times have we heard, you know, you offer your tithes and offerings as, a, as an act of worship? Anybody ever heard that? Maybe I'm the only one. I heard it once. Okay? I thought it was weird when I heard it. But, um, you know, just giving money in and of itself is not worship. All right? Now, can your offering money, time, service, those kinds of things be a manifestation of worship? Yes, it can. But it is not worship. Does that make sense? If tracking what I'm saying, are you still awake? out there? Yes, okay. You know, it's, it's not the act that is worship. It's our heart condition, okay, that is worship. And that's what we need to kind of remember. Now, there are some folks who would, who would talk about this kind of topic and, um, and spend it admonishing you, the people out there, for, you know, not paying attention to the sermon or for, you know, um, talking to each other or for passing notes or for this or that or the other thing saying you're not in worship I'm not going to do that okay because it's not up to me to make sure you're worshiping that's up to you okay um, but I would encourage you to engage in it all right so no admonishments if you want to pass notes have at it it's okay um, especially if there are notes that say boy he really got this one wrong Here's what that really means. Uh, if that's the case, show me that note when we're done, because I, I really want to know. Okay, so what? Um, you know, whenever I, I try and talk with folks, I try to end it with, so what? You know, is there a reason that I should have sat here and listened to you for the past 20 minutes? Okay, hopefully so, but here's the so what that I would offer you. One, um, Jesus through his living and dying and being resurrected, coming to earth as a man, God made man, um, has made it possible for us to worship God in a most personal and deeply satisfying way. Okay, that is huge. That is a huge gift that we have. How personal do you think it was to take a couple of doves to the priest and have him whack off their heads, split them, spray blood everywhere, and, you know, cook it? I mean, how personal is that? That's not personal. But the way we can worship God is very personal. And he gave that to us as a gift. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Um, two, we can worship God anytime, anywhere, under any circumstance. Okay, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to the temple on the Sabbath or any of those kind of things. We can worship God anytime anywhere and probably most importantly under any circumstances okay if life is rotten right now can we still worship god can we still ascribe value and worth to the creator and the master of all things absolutely 
Absolutely. And when we find ourselves doing that regularly, guess what? The circumstances aren't so important. They don't matter as much. Okay, because now we're worshiping God. And then finally, I would offer that uh, we can all individually now relate with God in the way that we were designed to. Okay, God designed us to worship in this way. Okay, and, and when we do that, we achieve ultimate and complete fulfillment. Um, and, and if you've experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, complete and utter ultimate fulfillment because we're doing exactly what we were designed to do. We're doing what we were created to do. And when we fulfill that, we in turn are fulfilled. So, so that's the so what of, of worship, you know. Um, I think that uh, if you have experienced that, it's awesome and you know that. Can you explain that necessarily to somebody else? Eh, kind of hard. Okay, you can say how awesome it is, how wonderful, oh, it's really great, you should try it. Okay, you can say that, but we've got to experience it ourselves. Okay, and I pray for you now that you would experience that. Now, the thing that's really cool is that when we learn to worship in spirit and in truth, we can do it all the time. It can be continuous. It can be constant. Okay, it's not necessarily, but it can be. And as we mature and grow in Christ, it does become more regular. Okay? So, that's my prayer for you. Um, please join me for prayer. Heavenly Father, um, you are awesome. You are the master of all things. You've created everything. All the things that we think are so cool in the world today, uh, the stuff that we look at, uh, the, the experiences we get to enjoy, the pleasures that we have, you created all those things. They are all because of you. And, uh, and we need to remember that. I pray, Father, that you would always bring that to our remembrance. Holy Spirit, Bring that to our minds as we go through life uh, day by day, moment by moment. Remind us of who created all things, ourselves included. Um, remind us, Father, what a, what a pleasure and a joy it is to give you worship. And I pray, Lord, that we understand fully what worship in spirit and in truth means. And that we would never forget that, Lord. That we would always strive to be worshiping uh, creatures, that we would always ascribe worth and value to you and you alone. Help us, Father, to recognize when we may be falling into those traps of being diverted or, or distracted into worshiping other things, and that you would reveal that to us. We would confess it and uh, turn away from it and repent. Lord, we thank you that you love us as much as you do, that you love us each individually, and you love us as, as each person, and we thank you for that too. Lord, I pray as we go out from here that uh, we would be able to demonstrate that we worship the God of the universe. And I thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.